we actively delude ourselves, then we are making a terrible mistake. We rob ourselves of the clarity of truths. We miss the beauty as well as the full depth and worth. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Prison Focus, uh, our segment. This is London Crowdy, and I'm so happy to be with you guys this week. Oh, such a beautiful day. I hope you guys are enjoying your day. And um, yeah, it's been a, you know, we've been talking about Quest for Democracy, and it finally happened on Monday, and I cannot wait to tell you guys all about it. So what we're going to do is we're going to have a little short music break, Jill Scott Golden, one of my favorite songs, and then I'll be returning back with New Bay on the line.
Welcome back, everybody. I hope that you guys are living your life like it's golden. Let me get Nube on the line. Nube, are you there? Nube? Hi, can you hear me? Hi, now I can. How are okay, you? Okay, fantastic. Good morning. Good, Good morning. morning. Happy Thursday. Happy Prison Focus Radio Hour, people. <laughs> <laughs> are you living your life like it's golden, Nube? You yes. know, I have to say that I am, I feel very blessed to be able to live what I feel is a golden life. Yes. Amen. Yes, and thank you for that reminder <laughs> to check in with that. How about you? Absolutely. You know, um, it's it's been a crazy week, and uh, we're going to talk about it. And sometimes I can feel myself going all over the place, and I just feel like I've been being... It's just a lot, you know, fighting this work, you know, this 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 war, it can be draining and it's just so important. You know, just life in general is just fast and it's, it's a lot. And so I, I'm finding more and more how important it is to just take a moment, take a breather, just in and out and get centered and do self-check-ins and remove any type of negative vibe, negative energy that you're uh, feeling and just be present in the moment and just, you know, be in a state of gratitude is what's been helping me. Oh, that is so fantastic. And I, I, I hope that the listeners are really hearing that because, you know, there is so much going on. I think it's important for all of us to remember, no matter what it is that you're doing, stop for a minute, like you said, take a breath, um, find that place of gratitude, because there is a lot going on. There's a lot, there are a lot of stresses, there are a lot of strains, but there is a lot of beauty that's happening. Um, a lot of really great things are happening. For instance, you mentioned the quest for democracy. I didn't know if you wanted to talk about this, or we'll talk about it later, but that is, I mean, that's some amazing work. I mean, you know, labor of love put that together oh, did you want to talk a little bit about that yes, now or please like um let me just tell you that um new bay i was just let me just I, you know i'm like a visual person i like to like paint a picture so please. um so you know quest of democracy was monday so a lot of us headed buses were already coming in um all of us are non-legal services for prisoners with children had um got buses all over the state of California, and we were just pulling people all into Sacramento. And so um, myself and Sabina, who is our policy uh, supervisor, we had last minute works to do because we just wanted to make sure that we were just trying to iron out everything that we could possibly think of so that everybody could have a good experience. So it's it's Sunday night, uh, Sabina and I are at LSPC office, and uh, we don't even get on Which the- Which is legal services for prisoners with children, yes. for those of you, <laughs> of you out there that don't know. Yes, mm -hmm. someone corrected me on that too, yes. And so, um, yeah, so we get on the road. We don't get to the, to the hotel till a little bit after 10. And so when I got to the hotel, it was like, I saw little people here and there, and um, but the beautiful thing is, so I got up early the following morning and I was trying to get up earlier, you know, trying to beat the crowd, like get there. Well, let me tell you, as mm -hmm. soon as I walked into the lobby, it was just full of people. 
and the energy was great. And then I'm trying to rush over to Sacramento the, to the uh, state capitol so that we could um, get the registration uh, set up before folks came over. And let me just tell you, it was one of our biggest years, they said. It was well over 600 people. I Woo-hoo! mean, it was so much energy. It was so positive, so the camaraderie, the energy was just so in the air of support and love and actually hurt as well. You know, um, one of the biggest bills that, you know, it's uh, that we're fighting for is the uh, the bill that will allow us to hold police officers accountable for using um, excessive force when it's unnecessary. And so, again, we talked about this before, just, you know, hearing the... Um, the victims, family, the loved ones, you know, recounter like what they had to go through, how they got their loved ones back and their experience and everything. But again, it was just like beautiful, like for people to take time out of their schedule, whatever they had going on to come out and show up and show out and um, to fight with use our power because it is our power. To speak in our right voices. in unity and coming together, right and finding it's it's in that place of solidarity and unity that you find that 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 space where you can um, you can heal, you can grieve, you can you can fight, you can organize, and you can make things happen, right in that space of coming together. Absolutely, and it was. Yeah, it was it was wow. it was just it was new bay. It was just so good and um I had That's so powerful. I had the blessing of being able to um see people when they come out uh talk to folks when they came out of their legislative visits. So just to paint another picture, just imagine like we had one whole side of the literally of the lawn of the uh the Capitol and we were just all over the place and we had the music <laughs> going and we had people Aww. breaking down in groups um, so that no everyone was equipped on knowing how to do a legislative visit. And what I loved is that I was able to talk to folks when they came out of the state Capitol building. And a lot of them mm-hmm. were like, you know, when they were going in, they're like, I'm so nervous. I'm so nervous, of course. And then when they came out, they just you just saw it on their face. Like I was like, well, how was it? And they're like. Oh, it was amazing. They listened to us and I got to speak and everything and being able to um to see someone to know uh like to be able to be in that presence and being able to seep in what their like their, you know their first experience of you know of all of our rights what we have and but for them to practice it and to see that fulfillment that they got from it was just amazing. Oh, that that's just so empowering. Again, the, right, that starts to build um, that golden life, right? And realizing um, your own your own self self love, self empowerment, self determination to be able to to experience that, and then have you witness it? What a fantastic thing! Well, as it turns out. Um, you know, London, that um, we are going to be having a guest on, mm-hmm. Raymond Aguilar, and his, um, and his guest, Anthony, from um, 
They're coming on from uh, Fathers and Families of San Joaquin. And Raymond Aguilar was actually at Quest for Democracy as well. So he's going to be coming on um, to talk about a um, little bit about himself and the work that he's doing at um, Fathers and Families at San Joaquin. Um, so this is very exciting because he was there, and I'm sure that uh, I we can only... You know, imagine again. That's that self, that self-empowered place of being able to stand up um, in solidarity and fight for the rights of, of folks that have been uh, formerly incarcerated, um, and being able to move on with their lives and build that golden life. That's right, Nubay. So yes. let's go ahead and take a small music break, and we're going to get Anthony on the line, and I can't wait to hear what he has for us. All right, folks. I okay, hope you we're going to have are... Raymond first. We're going to have Raymond first, okay? Okay, cool beans. See you in a sec. All right. Okay, bye-bye. I'm just trying to hold on to a dream Out here lost and nothing's what it seems I'm just trying to find where I belong This must be Uh, barely. Okay, is that better? Oh, there, I can hear you well now, yes. Okay. okay. Fantastic. So who do okay, we have on are line? we on? Yes, we oh. are. Okay, fantastic. Listeners, we are very excited to have with us Raymond Aguilar on the line. Raymond, are you here? Yes, I am here. Fantastic. Hey, Raymond. 
Hello, hello. I'm also here with uh, my co-worker, my partner, uh, Anthony Robinson. Fantastic, fantastic. Welcome, Anthony, as well. Um, okay, we should definitely um, get started here. We definitely want to hear what you have to say, Raymond. Um, so, yes, welcome to the show. Welcome to KPO Prison Focus Radio Hour. Um, Raymond, why don't you, let's just start. Tell us, please, um, kind of set some context and tell us right. um, about where, you know, where you've been um, and, and how you got involved with uh, Fathers and Families of San Joaquin. Okay. Uh, good morning, everyone. As I said, my name is Raymond Aguilar, and I currently work for Fathers and Families of San Joaquin as a nonprofit organization located here in Stockton. Uh, a little about myself, uh, you know, I'm a resident. Uh, born here in Stockton, California. Uh, didn't really have a stable upbringing. I had an unfortunate uh, uh, lifestyle with family members in, in and out of the system. Uh, at a very early age, um, I was uh, sent to Child Protective Custody, which is a Mary Graham shelter home for kids uh, from 6 to 15. And around 15 years old, I ended up getting caught up and uh, went to prison. I caught a prison sentence uh 19 years of life sentence and uh, for second-degree murder. And I ended up going to prison for the past 26 years. Mm. So from the age of 15 to 41, I was inside the penitentiary, uh, not knowing if I was ever going to come home, if I was ever going to have this opportunity to ever uh, feel what freedom is. And, um, you know, I came home, and I was really shocked at, at so much of the things that have changed in the past 26 years. And I uh, didn't know how I was going to survive, didn't know how I was going to uh, integrate myself back into society. And uh, my parole agent uh, had asked me, she says, you know, you need to volunteer uh, with some, some type of non nonprofits and get involved. And I said, okay, I'll give it a try. And so she, she brought me here to Fathers and Families of San Joaquin. And uh, since I've been here, uh, wow, things have, things have really uh, changed for me and, and this is what really made me successful. I've been out now three, almost three years now, and um, I've been working here under the Youth and Racial Justice Department, mm -hmm. and uh, this has given me a chance to come back to my community and, and make a difference. Uh, Fantastic! Oh, that's so beautiful. So, what? So, what was um, uh, fathers and families like when you first got there, and what uh, got you to the point where you are now, where you actually? You know, you're, you're, you're involved with the uh, youth and racial justice aspect of it, but you also have some programs that you are, some, some projects that you are a part right, of. Do you right. want to talk about that trajectory? That's so, great. So when I came here, um, I didn't know if I was, you know, I said, is this a job? Can I work here? What can I do? And, you know, Sammy Nunez, who was the executive director of Fathers and Families, uh, uh, accepted me and welcomed me with open arms. And... Uh, he said, hey, well, you know, what type of work do you want to do? And I said, you know, I just wanted to be a mentor to somebody, so some kids, so if I can get some positive light or feedback to the kids in our community so that way they don't make the same mistakes that I have made. And so he brought me on to using racial justice uh, department, and our, our mission says it all, which is to empower and educate and advocate for all youth in Stockton and uh, an emphasis on, on, on those system impact, the kids that are impacted by the system. You know, fathers and families, we aim to serve the youth as well as activate them to become politically and socially involved in their own lives and the families in their, in their community. So I came here and um, became a young movement builder. 
And with that, uh, I ended up uh, being involved in running programs for kids, at-risk kids, uh, giving me an opportunity to go and speak and share my story at uh, junior junior uh, elementary schools and, and uh, high schools. Um, we now run a program once a week, which is a whole Nobler program, creating young men, creating young honorable men. And I have the privilege of facilitating that group, which is to really uh, help the kids uh, align themselves back, uh, getting themselves out of trouble. Really, uh, the kids that we work with are on probation. Uh, they're on ankle monitors, which, which is to keep track of where the kids are at. And so we help the kids with a lot of issues. Uh, we help them with school. We help them with uh, dealing with gangs. We, we work with foster youth. Uh, we help kids with uh, uh, trauma. Fathers mm. and families, when I came here, uh, we were one of six in the state of California that had a trauma recovery center. Today, wow. we, are one of, we are one of 11. So it's catching on that, that you know, a lot of individuals have trauma. We need to, we need to work from, from that trauma in order to move forward in our lives. So now I'm able to, to work here, and, and I currently uh, was accepted going into the Youth Authority. So I, I, as I said earlier, I was incarcerated and I was in the youth authority. And so now um, I was given the, the privilege of going back into the youth authority and speaking. I, I run classes twice a week, once on Tuesdays and once on Thursdays, which I just came back from uh, OE, uh, Chad. And uh, I run a program called the Lifestyle Addiction to Criminality, which talks about there is a, a, a um, what is the, we call it, um, there are three components three components of the lifestyle addiction to criminality, which okay. is obsession, compulsion, progression. And I, I explained to these young kids that an obsession is that irresistible thought or idea that tells us or convinces us that we can do something. And the longer we repeat these, these, these acts, they spiral and get out of control if you don't contain it. So wow. I, I, run, I run two classes o- over there. And then, like I said, I run the class here on Wednesday. So it sounds like you're really, um, really about um, really strengthening their, you know, kind of their mind, body, and soul. It sounds like a real holistic aspect that you're bringing to these to these young people. What I find so interesting, though, um, or not though, but what I, and it's not interesting. It's so beautiful to think that you clearly did not see or get these things when you were growing up as a young person, and right. to have. Um, you know, and then to have this really unfortunate, a really stressful um, environment that you then, from that, grew up mm-hmm. even, you know, into in the in the system, being able to right. recognize what is it within you that that grew, that understood, um, you know, that what did you get that that educated you or strengthened you in, in a much deeper place to realize like there were things that you didn't get and that you wanted to then give back to those young people to to steer them away because i mean they're they're in the same environment that, that right. you grew up in right Correct. and Correct. how and yeah so what 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 was within well, you you know I, to I mean, to see that the odds were were against me from the very beginning you know, right. and, and I just felt like I was one of those kids, that the, uh, a kid on the gutter, just thrown away trash. You know, I was I was nothing. And so I, I, I took that in, and it was personal for me. And so I, I lived my life as though I was nothing, and as, as though I was going to spend the rest of my life in prison. And so I picked up a lot of bad habits and mannerisms while I was incarcerated mm-hmm. as an individual with no education. Uh, 
the, the system out here, the educational system out here failed me. Um, Absolutely. When, when, when I was going to school, I don't, I don't even know if I should say going to school, but when I was just showing up, um, I wasn't even able to read or write. During the time of my uh, commitment offense, I was illiterate. I didn't even know how to read or write. So I had to actually go to prison to, to educate myself, to learn how to read and write. Mm-hmm. And as I educated myself, I started to realize, like, my life is, is more than, than what they're trying to label me. I had so many labels placed on me, mm-hmm. you know, that I was going to be a part of this, this criminal system, that uh, I was going to be a junkie, I was going to be a criminal, I was a person of color. All these things were against me. And as I started to educate myself and read, I started to realize there has to be a purpose for me. There has to be something more meaningful and more productive for me. And what is that? And as I continued to educate myself, I was like, I have to get out of this system. I didn't know how to get out. I didn't know how to free myself. I was always running and hiding from something. And so education gave, gave me the key to freedom. And uh, when I was in there, I was able to get myself a diploma, uh, worked really hard studying the books, went to college, started working on a associate's degree in, in uh, psychology, understanding uh, human development and human behavior. And that's what, what really got me to realize my life is more than just what these people have been telling me. And I realized how my life, from, from the ages that I was growing up, I was realizing how my cultural influences and how my peer associations and how just everything created the person that society wanted me to be. And so... I just wanted to be uh, somebody to make a difference in my community. And I know there's so many other kids like me that are out there suffering, that grew up like me, that have the same story, if not worse. And I said, why can't I be somebody? I, I want to beat, beat the odds. I, I don't want to be a statistic. I want to be a success. And so as I educated myself, I realized that I, I didn't want to give back. And I wanted to educate uh, my community about how the system has failed me and how the system continues to fail people of color. Right, and, and, and that's primarily, one thing, Raymond, uh-huh. that I want to point out to the uh, listeners. Like, one, I just, like, commend you just for, like, taking charge and the power of choice. Like, you're, uh, you know, people don't think, you know, to change is not easy. It's a process. No, And it's one that you have definitely. to fight for day in, day out, and continuously. Like, I tell everybody, every single day I wake up, I strive to be a better woman. But one of the things I hear you um, say is that I want the listeners to just make sure that you know, like one of the things I always say that a, a great way to help end mass incarceration is to prevent ways from get, um, start ways to prevent, you know, diversion programs and everything for, for people to get yeah. incarcerated, period, you know, mm-hmm. so. Absolutely. I don't, you know, want because sometimes people like as having conversations, you know, and I appreciate the raw and, you know, truthful conversations because I think that that's how you create change. And I hear people say, Mm -hmm. well, well, a lot of people um, said that, you know, when they went to prison, it changed them. And, you know, they did good and they did all these wonderful things. And and I say, well, absolutely. Mm -hmm. But they um, but society failed them. You know, they could have done it. It it shouldn't have to take them to go to prison to do those things. Mm -hmm. But uh but thank God that, you know, that some, you know, um, we had the, you know, some people are just, everybody's different. You know, everybody has, yeah. some people have stronger yeah. wills than other. And I just commend you mm-hmm. for 
um, being a model and showing, you know, you you triumph. Like, you you did that. Welcome home. Yeah, our folks shouldn't have to go to prison. You know, I tell people all the exactly. time, we do not have to go to prison. We shouldn't have to go to prison to learn to read or write. The system should be set up to, to help those of color because right now we are failing. You know, 80% of African-American men cannot read at the third grade level. 84% of Latinos cannot read at a third grade level. So that right there tells us that's the school to prison pipeline. So we're set up. The system is set up to help us that are failing to end up in the system. And my job is to help to dismantle that school to prison pipeline. And we have to understand that the kids that are not reading at a third grade level, at a proficiency third grade, we need to do better than that because that right there is setting them up for failure. And so we, we run these programs to try to create change with these young men and tell them that, hey, look, you don't have to make the same decisions that we've made. Mm-hmm. And for the listeners, they need to know this is everywhere. This is just this in Stockton. This is in the Bay Area. This is in the Central Valley. This is in Northern California, Southern California. United States. This, this is, is our country, country unfortunately. Right. We are failing right. our people right. in this country. Mm-hmm. And so there are so many, so many laws and bills that are set in place to, to send and incarcerate these young men. And as an advocate, I, I, it's my responsibility to go and advocate so that way bills will not be passed to continue to lock up youngsters as young as 14 and 15 and send them to prison for a life sentence. Right that, that's what happened to me uh, years ago, 26 years ago. I was sent to prison as a youngster, as a juvenile. Prison was not a place for me to be, but yet that's, that was my environment for the past 26 years, and I had to survive there. Not, not to mention that I was in solitary confinement for eight years in Pelican Bay Shoe. I was in Pelican Bay Shoe, Corcoran Shoe, Tehachapi Shoe. I did all the level four uh, yards. And as a young man at 17 years old going in there, my role models and my, my peers and my father figures were gang members and drug dealers and, and, and people that lived that lifestyle. And I wasn't living that lifestyle, but I had to uh, uh, make myself accustomed to survive in there. I was not living in prison. I was surviving in there. Right on. Absolutely right. And people, and, you know what? And I would okay, go ahead, go no, ahead London. No, please. you go. <laughs> <laughs> no, this really this is important to to create the platform for again those voices and experiences. So please, London, I yeah. would like for you to speak. Yeah. So I would just like. Um, I'm just. I'm sorry. Um, Again, I just can't I just want to commend you for the work that you're doing and passing it on, because I feel like at society, especially growing up, you know, um, I'm from New Jersey and I grew up in the inner city, you know, poverty and high crime rates and, you know, that type of environment. But it was all that I knew. And so the people that I was around that people thought that were so bad and everything, I didn't look at them were as bad. It was just irrational thinking. Like we were all living on irrational thinking because it was all that we knew. And then we always had outsiders trying to come in and who never, who didn't understand our struggle, who didn't know what it was like, um, you know, having a single parent or going, you know, not having a parent, a presence at home in general and, um, going to sleep with no food and having to be, Mm -hmm. you know, 10 years or younger and worrying about the bills or being open, um, uh, introduced to drugs and so forth. That is some people's reality. And those who are Mm. so quick to tell us what to do and what not to do is ones who didn't live our struggle. 
And so that was that's a huge part. I just I just so thankful that you had this program and um, that you're planting these seeds because our community needs them. We need to know like we uh, these kids they need the love, you know. That's what yeah, I mean. Absolutely. Right. That's the great thing about Fathers and Families. Sammy Nunez had, had the great idea. Sammy Nunez, the executive director of Fathers and Families, he also is, is, is a, a formerly incarcerated individual. Now, the first executive director, and what he does is he hires for uh, uh, he hires individuals that are formerly incarcerated. And and when I got here, the people that were before me were formerly incarcerated and helped me get situated. And that's how we were able to bring also our brother Anthony, who was here with me. He served 20 years, um, and coming out, he was able to get a program that Fathers and Families has set together, uh, which is called the Environmental Justice. We have a, a department under the EJ, and Anthony has headed that program and has did miracles and wonders for the community. It's called Seeds in Concrete, and it's a curriculum and a curriculum. Uh, about how do we empower our kids by learning by teaching them the environmental justices, the things that are important for our kids. And we don't have beautiful trees and green grass and plants and flowers and all that. And we have a garden here. We we purchased a garden that Anthony is in, in charge of, and he runs the seeds of concrete and helps young men and women uh, understand the, the the aspects of how important it is to the, the environment to to have kids get involved. And get in the weeds, you know, get That's their hands dirty and, and, and work with the trees and plant plant stuff and just make their community beautiful. Right on. Fantastic. Well, Rayman, we're going to have a do quick... Do you have um, Anthony with us? Do you have Anthony yes. with us? And I'm right here. Would he like to speak on the seeds and concrete with you right now? Oh, okay, cool. I would, I would, definitely. Okay, fantastic. Anthony, we're going to take a quick music break and then we'll come back and have you speak about this, this wonderful program that we're in. No worries. Thank you.
Folks, we're back, KPOO San Francisco. We have New Bay on the line with Raymond and Anthony. You guys there? Yes, we are here. Fantastic, fantastic. Welcome, Anthony. We're really excited to have you talk about seeds in in concrete. Thank you, thank you. Uh, My name is Anthony Robinson, Jr. I am the Environmental Justice Equity Organizer for Fathers and Families. Uh, just a little background, I was born and raised in Stockton, a Stocktonian. Uh, at 18 years old, probably two weeks prior to graduating from Lincoln High School, I got locked up in sentence. I've been in prison the last 20 years. I'm out here now nine months, currently uh, on parole. Ooh, welcome so home. So to give time. Welcome home. Wow. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Uh, so just, just to give context, right, to uh, formulating uh, seeds in concrete and how they kind of fleshed out as going from ideation ideal to practice, recognizing that just just kind of being informed by my story and my experience, right, uh, getting locked up and sent to prison for such a long duration of time at 18, you know, about to graduate, supposed to be hopeful for these uh, new journeys, right, in my life trajectory. But I recognize that because they didn't see the seed in me, they tried to bury me, right? They tried to bury me with a prison sentence. So this is me being a child that has gone through all the veins of the wraparound services that San Joaquin County is supposed to provide, been a foster youth uh, at an early age, been a ward of the state uh, since nine years old, right? Mm-hmm. So going in and out of these systems and recognizing how systems confront uh, people of color and people coming from certain demographics 
and background. They don't they don't confront us with a sense of care because they're also into a structural uh, racist ideology, and they're giving a lot of their care based out of that framework. So I recognize that the seed in me was not developed out here. In fact, it was developed in probably one of the uh, environments that you would least expect, right? Uh, prison, right? right? So a lot of the lessons that I had to gain and uh, foster within myself, I recognized that there was an equation and that there was a formula to success. And I wanted to do that and coming out here and being part of the solution as opposed to the problem. And what sparked it in me was recognizing uh, there was an African adage that I remembered or an African proverb that says it, I think, succinctly. If the children are not initiated into the village or the community, then they will burn the village down just to feel its warmth. Right? Wow. And uh-huh. that becomes that becomes analogous to a lot of the youth story and their experience in Stockton because they haven't been initiated, right, brought in in a good way into the pro-social practices that the city provides, they begin to make up their own world, right? So if if we don't get to the children and help them uh, shape a positive pro-social worldview, then what happens is we become fearful of the worldview that they create on their own accord. Right. Absolutely. Yes. So yes. We, we interpret their real view as nightmares, right? But a lot of times these systems, they go in after the fact. Right. We have all these services after uh, one okay. of our citizens or one of our child has in our eyes failed. And I think that's, that's counterintuitive. So I agree. With the seeds in concrete, the first thing I recognize, uh, similar to the analogies I always tell people, the first thing you must recognize in a seed before you can do anything with it is this potential to grow. Yes, absolutely. Wow, that's Jim, so, yeah. That's so powerful. How did you come to this? I mean, you, you said it in the beginning that you knew something within yourself to have this seed and um, that, that you, they were burying you. You were a seed that had potential. You were looking forward to this life. How, and then how did, you, how did you keep that and then... Yeah, how did you keep that um, sense of yourself under those circumstances? I think that's a good question. Really, in creating the world, I think one of the things about uh, the incarcerated experience that for those of us who really find rehabilitation, we have to first make a decision and become real determined that I'm not going to wait for the system that incarcerated me to rehabilitate me. Right. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the rehabilitation mm-hmm. that we're finding in prison, that a lot of times the prison would love to take credit for, mm-hmm. is a self-initiated rehabilitation. Absolutely. Right? We don't yes. read the same books that, that's going around on the prison library carts, those dilapidated, uh, basically torn up pages, dog-eared pages, worn-out books. A lot of times we have to take it a step further and educate ourselves on what they want to learn and then also understand why they wanted to learn this and then go out and seek other avenues of learning that informs and shapes our experience, right? Because learning is the soul of social change, right? But if that learning is not properly constructed, then how are we basically constructing that individual? So I know for me, uh, since day one, when I was basically, as soon as I heard the the bar slam, like I say, 18 years old, in a world that I had to understand and, like uh, my brother Raymond said, survive. So I didn't want to get too comfortable in prison. And I think for me, a lot of just going, uh, studying 12 hours a day, sometimes even longer, was one of the things that kind of helped shape 
my worldview. So, um, Anthony, um, unfortunately, we are going to have to leave it there. Would you, would you be willing to come on next week so that we can really get in depth about um, this, uh, the seeds and concrete projects that you are doing? So, yes, yeah, so that we can really dive deep into what you're doing, how it's affecting the youth around you, um, and more into, um, again, just you and your, your life um, at this time. Would you be willing to come on with us next week? Definitely, definitely. Okay, fantastic. So, unfortunately, yes, folks, we are going to have to leave it there. Um, and I want to thank um, Raymond Aguilar for coming on and bringing you, Anthony Robinson, Jr. Um, and we will definitely have you next week. So, folks, please come and listen in so we can go in deeper around this amazing work that um, Anthony Robinson is doing with families and fathers of San Joaquin. Thank you, too, so much for coming on. This, this morning. Thank yeah, you, thank Anthony. you guys so much. It's, it's great, and we would love to have the opportunity to also present again and, and dive deeper into what it is uh, of the work, all the work that we do. Absolutely, yeah. please. It's it's wonderful. It's very inspiring. Thank you guys so much for coming on. Yeah, big thank up you. to you guys. All right, shout out to y'all. Be safe. Okay. Okay. Bye bye. Bye. Be blessed. You be blessed too. Yeah. New Bay. Are you oh. okay, folks? We're gonna go to a quick uh, little music break while I get New Bay back on the line.
Nube, are you there? Nube. Me? Oh, here you go. <laughs> okay, sorry, sorry about that. Guys. All right, folks, we are back. Thank you so much. Um, wow, that was uh, that was incredible. God, we there. We are getting some really powerful people to speak on this radio program, folks. I hope that you are just as inspired. Um, to continue as, as, as I am. And, um, you know, one thing that I want to mention is I, I first, I want to give a shout out to, to California Prison Focus, of course. Um, um, and, and uh, tell folks to please go to our website. Please go to prisons.org and, um, Go to our newsletter section or our, our our story and subscribe to the newspaper, and you will actually see a clip of Raymond talking about how important the newspaper is, because he talked about you know they talk about educating themselves inside. You've talked about it as well, finding that place within yourself to empower and educate yourself. And I think um, definitely um, there there are ways that happen that um, are outside of the. Um, the system, because, um, uh, you know, it's against all odds that um, that education and that self-empowerment is, is taking place. And so, um, and, I, and I am thinking about also the pathways to imprisonment that um, Raymond, Anthony, and you spoke of, uh, London. I, again, want to uh, mention the exception clause of the 13th Amendment, which says, neither slavery nor involuntary servitude, except as a punishment for crime, whereof the party shall have been duly convicted, shall exist within the United States or any place subject to their jurisdiction. And um, self-empowerment, education, um, healthy environment, um, beauty, these are, these are pathways away from um, incarceration. So I also want to say thank you to all the folks that came out to liberate the caged voices last night. Please go to our calendar at prisons.org and check for the next one, which will be June 19th in Oakland. Check out the details there. It was a fantastic um, um, event. So that's what I have to say going out of here, London. What do you have to say? Well, I want to definitely uh, just plug in folks right now that they can go to our website at www.prisonerswithchildren.org um, and click on the link uh, to support ACA6. And that's ACA6 is restoring voting rights to Californians on parole. Um, we have John Legend right now who is like really using his platform to um, help us. He is friends of legal services for prisoners with children. And um, this is a very important issue. Like this is happening in uh, in Florida right now in New York because especially um, folks that can hear my voice because Currently, 50,000, there are 50,000 voters that are prevented from casting the ballot right now in the state of California. And so this is just a part of felony disenfranchisement, right? So this is all goes wraps into, you know, the struggle of what all of us are going through, you know, especially the brown and black um, community. Um, we are marginalized, this vulnerable community, and they uh, believe in just 
so they can it's a way of keeping a control and keeping our communities down by um for so many years for decades for not knowing uh keep just it's a, just a, another form of the slavery of um keeping us from knowing our rights and using our voice because we are so capable. So all you have to do is go to that website, legal services for prisoners with children.org and click on the link. And if you sign the petition and not, this is not just all people that are on parole. This is just people that care in general and knowing that this is wrong. Okay. So I would just really need everybody to get involved. And again, um, you can also go to the website prisonerswithchildren.org to see the um, homecoming celebration that we're having on the 31st. And what we're doing is um, we're having a big celebration and we're just welcoming folks back into the community. And I want to correct myself because last week I said citizen. So technically, when a person comes back into the community, if they can't vote, what makes them a citizen? Right. So they don't feel apart. That's a way of uh, making them feel a part of the community as well. So I say we're having this celebration that we're welcoming folks back into the community. And anybody that's in the Bay Area, we are welcoming you out as well because it's important, you know, uh, to make these folks feel welcome back into the community. I just thank you, New Bay, for just bringing these guests on and um, helping us to change the narrative. You know, big up to all the people that were affected in the system and those who are directly impacted and indirectly impacted who are standing firm and helping to um, navigate this fight. Indeed, indeed. These are our returning community members. Just because you all, people have been locked up does not mean that they are no longer a part of our community, and it is important that we welcome them back and know that they have folks out here who care, who um, have their best interests at heart. They're working hard. We need to support them. That's so, right. yes, please, please continue to do that. Um, and we have a full and, another week, and we're going to see you guys, right. our listeners, next week. And this is KPOO San Francisco. I'll talk to you later, New Thank Day. you. Okay, thank you so much. Have a beautiful week, folks. Thanks, London. Thank you. Seems my life is finally coming together. Feels so good.